0: Welcome to this week's Man of the Post Extra Time, I'm your host Chris, with uh, me we'll this week I've got uh, Andy, holly holly hoo! how are you?
1: D- d- I, I, I don't know how to react to that, I was fine until about 15 <laughs> seconds ago and then I get very confused. That was
0: my sort of highland singing. <laughs> oh, Jesus
1: Christ, honestly you're... You, you ever cross Hadrian's Wall, you're in big trouble, I'm telling you. No, even not even for me, it. I should point out. I'm not threatening you personally. No, until you get into the borders of the greater city of Glasgow anyway, at least.
0: I told you, I snuck into Gretna for about half an hour last year.
1: And did they kick you back out when you tried
0: your... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was like Russ Abbott in that kilt with the ginger hair sort of frolicking around. Oh, um. <laughs> I've got Nathan. Now, this is, Nathan, this is your second appearance uh, on the Extra Time show, isn't it? Where you, uh, you were involved in a Rogue episode that didn't go out a couple of weeks ago. But um, just for those listeners um, who didn't hear in the World Cup podcast, you are an Arsenal fan, as people can tell by your accent, can't they?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the accent gives it away straight away.
0: That's like very North London you're from.
2: <laughs> absolutely. As north as North London gets. <laughs> uh,
3: and we've got Jesse Loesch. Do I not get a song or anything?
2: Would you
0: like a song?
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, I don't know any without being <laughs> culturally inappropriate.
1: <laughs> oh, you didn't have a problem with that I two minutes
2: ago. <laughs> <laughs> come on. Come on, we've already crossed that one. <laughs> come
1: on, you might as well insult as many countries and uh, cultures as you can. <laughs>
0: Honestly, I, years ago, someone when I worked for a major Chris-producing um, company in Leicester, we had a depot in Bells Hill in Scotland, and um, the guy there sent me down his uh, Scottish dictionary. So I keep meaning to find it for you, um, Andy, but I can't find it. But
3: Andy gave us one of those a while back, remember?
0: Yeah. So oh, be like, oh, when he wasn't oh, going to
3: no, be on you the pod and he wanted us to like, you know, make sure we referenced things correctly which obviously we did
1: (laughs) oh chris i wish you could see my face at how devastated i am that you're not going to butcher a lot more scottish words during the podcast (laughs) well your greeting
3: try my best this time just because you're on it and i would love your response
0: well your greeting uh stop being such a sweetie wife and get out your secret thistle whistles because we're going to go to the caravel cup um so Tuesday was Southampton 0 Newcastle 1 Joel Linton, um, having quite the game. He had a goal disallowed uh, before a rather spectacular miss and then converting an Alexander Isak cross. Um, this all comes within his uh, uh, his drink driving uh, conviction which we'll talk about in a bit. Um, former Newcastle player Adam Armstrong had a goal disallowed for Humble by VAR. Um, did anyone see the highlights from this at all? uh no i haven't seen this one nope nope jesse
3: sorry i'm deep in my scottish dictionary trying to figure out how to say i did not
0: i didn't see it i did not didn't
3: i'm loving baw bag though
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: because you know what who knew you could have a unit of measurement denoted by the thickness of a pubic hair fascinating good job really? scott
0: <laughs> <laughs> um so I guess if you, none of you saw this game, none of you have seen Jacob Murphy and Duje Coletta Car? Oh,
2: I did see that. I saw <laughs> a replay of that. That was absolute shit. I was really <laughs> best. Go on, for the listeners
0: then, just describe what uh, what happened, Nathan.
2: Yeah, so um, coleta Car has been sent off. Uh, I, I didn't see what the sending off was, but he, as he's walking away from, from the incident, uh, Jacob Murphy's just clapping and laughing in his face and just kind of waving him off the off the pitch, saying, like, you know, Cheerio, pal. Enjoy your, enjoy your uh, lonely shower kind of thing.
0: It was literally a child's wave, wasn't it, that he gave him as it he walked was. off the pitch?
2: It <laughs> was so petulant, but so brilliant at the same time.
0: Now, would Coletta Carr been him with his rights to turn around and get a second red card for uh, knocking Jacob Murphy to the ground?
2: I mean, I think if he's already walking off the pitch for a red card and um, he doesn't agree with the first one, then you might as well get sent off for something proper and just drop Jacob Murphy while you're on your way.
0: Exactly. I think Roy Keane in his first autobiography describing his tackle on Alfie Harden said, you know, sort of hung for a sheep as hung for a lamb. Might as well go sort of full on in. Yeah, if you've got
2: to do it, do it properly.
0: Exactly. Uh, Newcastle on course for their first cup final since 1999 uh, and their first trophy since 1969. Um, so I can't remember when the return fixtures are. Maybe they're next week. Maybe they're in a couple of weeks time. Uh Newcastle at home with a goal advantage, um can anyone see Southampton overturning that?
2: No, I don't think so. Um I just think the way Newcastle play at the moment I can't you know, I can't see Southampton scoring in any game, never mind against the best defence in the league. So Yeah can take a one 0 all day long and go go back to St James's Park and kill it off. Fair enough. Um
0: Jesse and Andy, when they get back up to Scotland at Sir James's Park, do you reckon um, Southampton can turn it around? Did you just say get back to
1: Scotland? (laughs) I mean, don't get me wrong, when Scotland gets independence, we are going to claim Newcastle. Uh, I should just make that clear right now. We're actually uh, Northern Powerhouse, we're going to be. Um... Andy's yeah.
0: arms are going to come out my laptop
1: and start throttling me in a minute. <laughs> that's, that's okay. I'm going to get my sweet revenge that day. We get independence and we declare war <laughs> on England. It's going to be fine. As See, Kel- please
0: forget, we've got the nuclear weapons. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're Celtic brethren. If I'm down here in Cornwall, I should, you know, we'll be on the same side. Don't you tell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm not having that. I'm, I'm not having that. I'm sorry. Fair, I've got it. Um, oh, Aye, right. i um, no. They will get nothing from it for the reasons Nathan said. I mean, Southampton are struggling to score against anybody. Uh, the idea that they're going to do it against, as as Nathan said, the best defence in the country in front of their home fans, uh, riding right a real real uh, wave of momentum.
0: It's yeah, it's no happening No, Jesse, can you make a case for them? Yeah.
3: No, I mean, you always maybe think there could be some come from behind chance, but I, I can't conceive of how that could happen right now.
0: No, okay. Well, on Wednesday there was the first leg of the other semi final, which finished Nottingham Forest nil, Manchester United three. A rather lovely goal by Marcus Rashford in the first half as he sort of danced his way through the uh, Nottingham Forest defence. then goes goes from uh white week oh, that's 10-10 actually for marcus rashford uh post world cup um white week got his first goal for uh manchester united as he signed on loan for them and then bruno fernandez got the third goal um 28 shots in total all game this did seem quite an entertaining one watching the highlights i think forest had a goal disallowed as well um yeah it, it seemed um a bit of a sort of roar of a game this one did anybody seen this one
1: yeah, so I saw the highlights for this one. Um, yeah, I think Forrest were unlucky to get their goal disallowed. I mean, that is the most marginal of, of offside decisions. Hmm. Um, I don't know if it would have changed the game that much. I mean, it would have got the crowd behind them and so on. And United, if anything, have proven that they, when they concede a lead, or, or sorry, give up a lead, then that's when they start to struggle eh, a bit. Yeah. Um, I'm just personally delighted for Marcus Rashford. Um, because he gets so much shit over the idea that this might some his downturn in form might somehow be related to, you know, the the things he does off the pitch.
0: Hmm.
1: Um and so to see him turn that around has been even speaking as an Arsenal fan, really, really good to see. Um yeah just just personally delighted for him but yeah united were were well <laughs> in control in that game and i'm i'm sure they'll comfortably see it out in the second leg
0: yeah anybody else see this one
3: i mean i totally disagree everybody knows you cannot have any off the pitch competing interests <laughs> and still be a good football player like stop helping young children stop feeding people then you'll score more goals, you know. Just don't have a life. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> but I, anyway, and have always said.
0: Yes, you're very forthright on this issue, aren't you? Yeah, on Twitter,
3: mm-hmm. stand behind that. <laughs>
0: uh, okay, so that's the midweek games in England for this season. Uh, for this season, this week. Um, okay, so. Europe's been quite active this week so we'll talk about some of the games that have been played there uh, and we'll talk about games coming this weekend. So in Spain um, it was the Copa del Rey Valencia who also played um, on... Monday night they uh they drew 2-2 with Almeria on Monday night. They played on Thursday night as well, didn't they? They, dropped, they lost 3-1 at home to Athletic Bilbao, which I guess is quite predictable. Uh and um in a new it is an ongoing section called Racism Corner, uh, Real Madrid beat Atletico Madrid 3-1 thanks to extra time. Uh but that wasn't really the story about the game, was it? Did anybody see what the Athletic fans did pre-match?
2: I I did see this on Twitter. Yeah. It was uh it was fairly disgusting, if I'm honest. <laughs> it was horrific, wasn't it? It was, uh, yeah. I don't think I've quite seen anything quite that bad for a while.
0: So I think the uh, Atleti ultras um, hung a effigy of Vinicius Junior off the um, off a sort of overpass, didn't they? Uh, mm-hmm. And was there any uh, was there any racial language on written on a banner or something as well? I can't remember
2: i haven't seen a translation i saw that they they spray painted something but I, I don't know what it translated to to be honest
0: yeah like... yeah um he got the last laugh he scored the third goal in the 3-1 win which i'm sure you know you say the last laugh i'm sure probably doesn't mean an awful lot to him given what he had to see um i read a little bit i was only scanning through a thread But somebody on Twitter was saying that this is the direct consequence of the lack of action by the Spanish authorities to take things like this seriously. Um, And he was citing a specific example. I think it was Colin Miller on Twitter. If you go search him out, he was citing specific examples of Spanish prosecutors actively not seeking to prosecute people in events like this. So this sort of empowers these kind of ultras to do these sort of pretty awful acts.
3: I go, yeah. I mean, I go even further and say that this is I mean, <laughs> systemic, um, specifically in Spain. But you know, we've now seen this. I think there are fewer associations and countries where we haven't seen this than where we have. Mm. And I can't think of any time where it actually has been prosecuted or dealt with effectively. And in Spain, it's it's unsurprising that I can't even remember which incident. Um, Specifically this was related to But a couple months ago When um, an incident of Racism happened I think also in Madrid And The You know you expect some Sort of backlash and instead Football journalists Reacted as if You know the player sort of victimized Himself And doubled down on the fact that There's no racism in Spain how can this be And so I think there are so many issues at play here which is like yes there was entrenched racism journalists are culpable the FA is culpable and the teams are culpable because you know how long have we said walk off the pitch or in this case refuse to come on the pitch and like that's not happening here and if you can't allow players to either protect themselves or the team to protect them like there's no mechanism
0: and I think when it happened on the pitch when it was Juan Cala, wasn't it that Racially abused the other player whose name I can't yeah. remember. Um, it was the other player that kind of got the criticism for exactly. reacting to it. Yes,
3: right. There's yeah. there's nothing here. Like nobody has given any successful way for players, teams, managers, you know, refs to handle this kind of situation. You know, in this case, you would hope that the team would have been well within their rights and supported in saying, sorry, we're not going on the pitch. Our player is not safe. Done. Yeah. I. But they can't do that. You
0: know, uh, I'm thinking this isn't the first time it's happened to Vinicius either. Am I it's right?
1: Not. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Um, yeah, in fact, it wasn't that long ago because I think... I can't remember where he wrote it. I can't remember if it was an article in the Players' Tribune or whether it was whether it was just a, a social media thread or something. But he talked very uh, eloquently and, and passionately about why he was always going to have a smile on his face when he went onto a football pitch. It must be. It must be increasingly difficult. I, I, I don't want to get super political on here because I know some people don't get super happy with stuff like that. But I mean, this is just a, a systemic issue. That's right. I mean, racism has always been there and has never gone away. But if we're being honest, it does feel like a lot of the the bigots are, have been emboldened mm. by a shift in Western civilization over the last particular decade. We've seen the likes of Trump being elected. Or Johnson being elected, Marine Le Pen being elected, Salvini or whatever it is the guy's name is in Italy being elected. it it It's scary at the moment. Uh, and I'm saying that as someone who doesn't face any of the issues that, you know, black players or, or gay players or, or, you know, transgender players or so on are facing. So, yeah, this, this is a real issue. And like Jesse says, it's... These people are feeling emboldened to do things like this because they know they're facing no consequences at the end of it. Mm. Uh, they're, they're, I mean, it was, um, th- this put in mind for me the issue a couple of years ago, where I think it was Moyes uh mm. reacted to well, some racist yeah. chanting when he was at Juventus. And, and within 24 thing. hours lately, Leandro Benucci, mm. his own teammate, his own club captain, had come out and says well you know he he kind of brings something on himself and it's like no, no one ever brings racism on themselves it's, it's a, it was a disgusting thing at the time and again it's just comments like that from fellow players that that are emboldening some of these uh, idiots and um, until the authorities as Jesse said actually do something about it and until these players teammates and so on actually start doing something about it it's it's not going to change
0: Hmm. Okay. Um right, so this weekend in Spain, uh Barcelona are top on 44 points, then Real Madrid on 41, Real Sociedad 38 and then Atletico on 31. So it's Real Madrid versus Sociedad, uh, first uh, sorry, second versus third. Um there's a Catalan derby, Girona play Barcelona, and then Osasuna play Athletic Bilbao uh in Italy. Um there were some games this that... They
3: take a, a second Go? to talk about Bilbao and how like a Dounding it is that the two Williams brothers are playing on the same pitch at the same time and being so amazing. Like I had this moment watching them, thinking, "We are so lucky we get to see this. <laughs> They're so good."
0: Yeah, especially when they got different nationalities. Oh,
3: they yes, are so... just
1: hmm? incredible. Bo- the Boateng brothers is that, are they brothers?
0: It's it's and brothers, yes. Yeah. Jerome,
1: although
0: Garner and Germany, wasn't talk it? About Jerome. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it's Thiago, uh, Liverpool's Thiago, has he got a brother who plays or a relative that played for Brazil? I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, Rafinha.
3: Like ninety-seven siblings, so who's to know? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say they're not a bit of a football dynasty on the like. slide.
0: Yeah, because like, you dad.
2: don't, you don't, you don't really match up the names. But but when it gets made obvious to you, it's like you've got. I think it's Rafinha, like you said, Thiago. And the dad was like a decent player as well, wasn't it?
0: Mm. Yeah. That's right. Um, Okay, so, yeah, in Italy, um, there were games this week. So uh, Lazio beat Milan 4-0, a lovely goal from uh, Milinkovic-Savic. And then Zacconi Luis Alberto penalty. And then Felipe Anderson um, finished it off for uh, Lazio. um, That pushes them into the, the top four. So Napoli are on 50 points. Uh, Milan 38, Lazio and Inter on 37. Of course, Juventus had that points deduction. Um, Napoli versus Roma this weekend. uh, Lazio versus Fiorentina. Cremonese versus Inter. And then Milan versus Sassuolo. Uh, In Germany, um, there were some games this week as well. So I think they call it an English week in the Bundesliga when they um, play midweek. Werder Bremen 1, Union Berlin 2. Schalke 1, an excellent looking RB Leipzig 6 um Freiburg won Frankfurt one and then Bayern uh, drew 1-1 at home to Cologne now they were 1-0 down uh, Bayern were they' relying on a a 90th minute uh, Josh Kimmich equalizer and I listened to a podcast um with Gabriel Mokati and Julien Laurent the other day talk about the problems at Bayern Munich so um obviously the fact that Manuel Neuer has injured himself when really he shouldn't have done when he went skiing and what's that? what that has cost the club and the fact they've had to lay out for an extra player in transfer fee and wages. Uh, and I think it was Serge Gnabry who disappeared to Paris Fashion Week in the middle of the week and I think he's been criticised for that as well. So, um, yeah, I don't think... Do,
3: that... um, do they want Hugo Loris? Because we'd be very happy to, like, share.
0: No, they signed Jan Sommer instead
3: oh
2: damn it. Great yeah sorry it a great signing Jan Sommer
0: yeah it was only about 6-7 million quid Speci- as well yeah
1: I was going to say for the price it's, it's I know that he's I think he's 35 mm. but I mean given keepers are now regularly playing at top level until kind of 39-40-41 and to me that seems like fantastic
2: signing yeah, also Jan Sommer
3: of... is a chef and plays guitar so he's going to be <laughs> a really great addition to just you know team unity I think <laughs>
2: Got anything. I was gonna say we, we gave him a shout out uh during one of the World Cup pods. We were saying uh he always seems to crop up in a World Cup and then you never hear about him ever again. Mm. Yeah. The next four years come round and lo and behold he's still there for the Swiss, still as solid as ever and then he disappears again.
0: If you're Mamonouya, I think it's probably fair to say you're a, a club legend at Bayern Munich. So you you can walk around sort of with your chest puffed out a little bit, but how sheepish would you be feeling knowing that your self-inflicted injury has cost you a place for the rest of the season maybe your career at Bayern and they've got to spend a load of money to replace you you'd feel a bit daft wouldn't you
3: do you not feel though like if you have the ego of I'm not saying Neuer specifically but of somebody who has held that position for such a long time and also feels confident enough to go skiing then you don't think that this will end your career You know, you also assume that you will be back and slotting into that first position spot. Like, I yeah, feel like there's something about...
1: There's, some, there's just something about German legends at Bayern, isn't there? I mean, I think... I, I don't think uh, Walter Mateus, for instance, is exactly a, a, a shrinking ballflower, I think. You know, he's been very forthright in his views over the years. Massive ego. Neuer, I would imagine, has been. I mean, he's been untouchable as German and Bayern number one for over a decade at this point i think maybe yeah I, I, there, there's a certain there will have been a certain kind of feeling of invincibility for him i
0: would imagine mm. um yeah definitely so this week ken binding top on 36 points then union 33 Leipzig thirty two and Frankfurt thirty one. So RB Leipzig play Stuttgart. Uh, Bayern play Frankfurt. Probably B- game of the weekend. It's the Berlin Derby: Union versus Hertha. There's a, a, a article in the Guardian about that, which is uh, worth looking forward to. Um, in France, um PSG top on forty seven points, and then it's Lons on forty two. Marseille sorry forty four. Marseille on forty two. Uh, so Marseille play Monaco uh, this weekend. PSG play Rem uh, and twelve versus Lons. I think it's the Rem goalkeeper. Uh, uh, manager sorry is only about 30 years old and he's a bit of a football manager expert and managed to sort of work his way into the um uh into the the, the world of football um through playing football manager very uh, successfully um <clears throat> okay what else have we got in the portuguese league cup is uh sporting versus porte uh in kenya it's the nairobi derby as afc leopards play Gorha mahaya but this weekend guys it's el distant so does anyone know about el distant so
3: it is a word you've just made up.
0: It is not a word I just made up. It's a word to describe a football derby. <clears throat>
3: no, excuse me. What language is that in? Elvis was.
0: You find it Spanish, I think you'll find it. It's, it is What's culture, culture uh, and no, now, Chris? no. <laughs> it's Spanish for the distance, Jesse. I'm surprised. Uh,
3: we are going on record right now as saying <laughs> what <laughs> everyone that is not a Spanish word.
0: <laughs> Jesse, I'm surprised as a Spanish speaker you don't know what the spanish for distance is
3: but...
0: <laughs> you take mean... that for the Wait, fast
3: Scottish sure. so <laughs> dictionary to find a suitable word for what i'm feeling right now
0: <laughs> so el Tráfico of course is lafc versus la galaxy el Gatwicko is um brighton <laughs> is brighton versus Crystal palace because of the gatwick airport anyone want hazard to hazard a guess this shows which you people have actually been listening to this podcast as to what um Jesse, you've actually probably been on this podcast before as we've talked about this. Well, fixture.
3: clearly, whenever you say words like that, I black out and stop listening.
0: L <laughs> distance, though. Does anyone know where this might be?
2: That has got to be something to do with a mammoth trip in the FA Cup, surely.
0: Uh, go on, Andy. I'm going
1: to say, given mm-hmm. your past history for obscure football competitions, I'm going to assume it's something to do with Oceania.
0: Okay, Jesse.
3: I think that that is a bossack of, <laughs> of a word. Did uh, I do that correctly?
1: I uh, I yeah that that that, that <laughs> kind <of. laughs> I kinda um,
3: You know what it does? It makes me wanna boke.
1: Yes. Right, okay. Now we're now we're definitely on track. Also, Great. can I just say Thank you for not putting on the accent when saying <laughs>
3: well,
0: I would be, no, no, no. no. Uh, well, it is not actually a million miles away. El Distance, though, is in the A-League, the Australian A-League. It is uh, the two teams that are furthest apart. So it's Perth Glory versus Wellington Phoenix.
1: Well, of course, I'm not a million miles away. That's called the El Distance so apparently. <laughs> so I'm guessing it was a few hundred.
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, that is El Distance. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Um Wait, can you
3: do I'm it in sorry. an Australian accent just because I feel like we should <laughs> offend everyone equally.
0: Uh this week, Ken, I think you finally sell distance so as willing in Phoenix take on <laughs> Perth glory. Um <laughs> winners get transported for stealing the bread. Um <laughs> Sorry, an Australian Yeah, listeners. but that was really good. <laughs> uh right, um transfers. Joe Gethart has gone from Leeds to Sunderland on late. Right, I'm mentioning this because I asked uh, ross bell underscore underscore in the man of the post whatsapp group about this being a Leeds fan uh he replied saying yeah our twitter manager has no idea how to use him <laughs> so <laughs> uh ross very firmly in the um uh, in the marsh out category um isaac the hadji has gone from lille to sunderland this is quite interesting because um some Newcastle fans, uh, when they saw a private plane taking off from Lille towards the northeast, they thought that Sven Botman, former Lille player, had been having a word in Isaac's shell and um, he was going on his way to join Newcastle. Uh, but obviously he didn't. He stopped that little bit further short and, um, and joined Sunderland instead. Uh, Jesse, Spurs have been stealing players. Arno Danjuma. Uh, Villarreal to Spurs on loan. Where was he due to go? Or where where was he almost at?
3: Was he almost?
0: Yeah. I love this story. I
3: think it's brilliant.
0: Andy, go on then. What happened?
1: So, I mean, it was supposed to be going to Everton. But, of course, Everton being the absolute shit show they are at the moment, somehow <laughs> managed to let it slip through our fingers. My understanding is that he'd already kind of started taking, like, publicity photographs for Everton I don't know if I've got that right yeah i, mean, I heard
3: that
1: it, up at, it feels very a uh, Peter and wingy
2: yeah I did hear the said that there was there was videos of him signing and in the in Everton the kit you know the full the full transfer merry-go-round when a player gets announced that it all been done and then he and then he hops off to <laughs> Um so
0: Arsenal uh, signed a play this week Jacob uh, Kiwi... I can't read my writing. Jakob Kiwi something, uh, Polish player. Uh, he's gone f- He's a defender, he's gone from Spezia to Arsenal, £17.5 million. Pounds. Guys, do you know much about him?
1: Jakob Kiwi something, you're just on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> this
0: is...
2: Uh,
1: uh... Guys, one of us is going to have to step up and host this next week because I'm assuming that he's going to be in jail for he's going to be in the Hague for war crimes or, or something. I mean, so.
3: Either that, or we're suddenly talking fruits.
1: Kiwi, kiwi, <laughs> k-i-w-i-o-r. I don't know a huge amount about them. I was going to say they've, they've put out quite an outlay on them, but I mean, what is quite an outlay nowadays? <laughs> I, that seems like probably quite a small amount of money for somebody that. They've brought, in I would assume he's being brought in more as a kind of future signing rather than for this season. But yeah, Arteta Ar- 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 and, and the director of football have clearly done a pretty good job over the last couple of years with some of these younger signings. So I expect this will be another one that will will go pretty well.
0: I'm a bit confused, guys, over this because. Weren't you all in for Mudrick the other week who obviously ended up going to Chelsea? So you've gone from sort of attacking midfielder forward through to buying a defender. Um...
1: So I I think there is concerns about injuries at the moment. Back line, we've been missing uh, Kieran Tierney for a bit, although obviously he's kind of now pushing back towards uh, a starting place. Ben White's been kind of borderline. At points in terms of injury, so it's definitely an area they need cover, mm. and obviously they're talking about getting in a midfielder now as well because of the the potential long-term injury to Mohamed Elneny. Um Yeah, so, I mean, it, it makes sense, um, even if, as I said, it's not for this season, if it ends up being for next season, fair enough, but yeah, it's just good to see Arsenal kind of being proactive in the transfer market for a while and not kind of wait until last minute and going, oh, I should probably buy somebody.
3: Can we ask like go. a legitimate question? I promise I'm asking this legitimately. Is like, Were you not looking for Mudric and slash any forward because you do have an alleged player who is allegedly like still out on bail and you allegedly need to like worry about that? Was that enough well, to mean, use of allegedly? But, like, that I, is, that, that yeah, is
1: that a feels, concern, yeah? I, I mean, it, it should be a concern. Whether it is or not, I don't know, because I think if it was a concern, they wouldn't be starting every game. So, obviously... I
3: think that's less of a concern. Yes, yeah, it's, it's less apple.
1: of a concern for uh, officials within the Emirates, I think, than it is for us as normal people wondering why this kind of thing keeps happening. Yeah. Um, sure.
3: But that's two yeah, so, th- th- things, right? One is like normal people thinking that ethically this is a like fucking nightmare, and the second one is you might lose a player at any minute.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean football wise, yeah, I, it makes it. And again, if you if you do, then tie that in with the El injury, then it makes sense that they were looking at midfielders. Mudrick obviously, much more a, a forward player. They've they've obviously kind of moved away from him when Chelsea. Blew all that money on him and, and went for Trossard instead. But yeah, I mean, it should be a concern. Whether it is a concern
0: or not, I I, I, I don't know. Um, Nathan and Andy, how do you feel about missing out on on Mudrick? Um, he's obviously a very valuable player and. Looking, I've only seen a little a tiny bit in the Champions League, but I did watch him last week at Liverpool. He looks a very exciting player, but of course he's a very raw and inexperienced player. And that's a lot of money for an experienced player. Do you both feel like you be potentially dodged a bullet there? Or are you gnashing your teeth at missing out on a play like that?
1: Well, I mean, as I said last week, I actually think missing out on Mudrick for 88 million and getting Trossard for 27. Is, is probably going to end up working out in Arsenal's favour. Woodrick mm. is a very young, exciting, talented player, I don't doubt it, but there's always that inherent risk of bringing in players from outside what you might call the kind of typical European powerhouse, kind of Germany, France, Netherlands and so on, into England and, and hoping that they'll hit the ground running, especially for that kind of outlay, you kind of need them to hit the ground running. Mm. Um, so I I wasn't I, that felt like the kind of signing that could have derailed a club on a great run like Arsenal, whereas Chelsea, I get the impression they, they they need a bit more excitement and a bit more oomph and a bit more drive, and so it probably makes more sense for them as a signing. What about you, Nathan? How do you feel about it? Um, I don't think
2: there's any arguing that Ludwig is is going to be a, a good player, but his numbers don't don't add up to eighty eight million for me. And the fact that he was rah rah girling, I Arsenal all over his social media and then Chelsea went well W ages and he went, Yeah, sound done. <laughs> well, you've just undone all of that, so well done. Um to miss out, yeah, absolutely. Um in the long run, I think it's gonna be a fantastic decision for the club. We've spent twenty seven million for one of the informed players in the Premier League. I think twenty seven million is an absolute steal for Trossard. Um, and it's give us scope to go and buy a centre half, hopefully another central midfielder, maybe one more up front potentially, who knows? But I think with Enketia playing the way he is, I don't I don't think we need to, to sign anyone up front. Certainly not just yet. Um but I think I think by missing out we've given ourselves a better January window by signing players in positions that we really desperately need to cover it.
0: OK. Um, I, I did, sticking with Arsenal for a minute, I did see someone this week tweet something mean about Rob Holding and getting loads of grief back again from Arsenal fans, pretty much along the lines of, you know, he's not Franz Beckenbauer, but he's a trier and, I'd rather, and I'm, I'm happy he's at our club because he's the sort of person that you want around our team. How do you feel about that? Is he, is he sort of a waste of a space in your squad, or are you sort of happy he's there?
2: I, I think Rob Holding is the type of player that any manager would love to have in their squad because he doesn't kick off, he doesn't complain. Granted, he's probably getting paid a whack that, and probably still sits in the Arsenal dressing room thinking, "What am I doing here?" But he, he just cracks on. He, he, he's called upon when he's needed and he comes in and does his job is he the best player? no is he is he a great defender? probably not but when called upon when we need you know he's there to fill a hole and he does he does a, a good enough job until you know the first choice comes back and as, as a manager surely you've got to love a player like that who just cracks on even though he's not playing week in week out
0: is he um, Oleg Luzni with a northern accent? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Maybe a little
0: bit harsh, but you're <laughs> probably not far off. Fair enough. Right, other transfers that happened this week. So, um, uh, Johan Duran, uh, Jesse, you're going to have to help me with this. So, oh. J-H-O-N, how do you pronounce that? Is it still John? Juan. Juan. Juan Duran. Stri- I love
3: that you, you know, just know that I'm fluent in Portuguese as well.
0: I thought it was Colombian.
3: Which, who, I didn't even know who we're talking about.
0: Juan Duran. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's been playing in the MLS, you should know. Him.
3: Oh, I hate when you put MLS on. The... Okay, all right, hold on. Let me remember that I'm American. Go. He's a,
0: he's a Colombian footballer.
3: Okay, and he's at He, the... he
0: was at Chicago Fire? And he's Chicago now gone Fire. And he's now gone to Washington Villa for 14.8 million pounds. Oh, okay, okay. Um Since
3: and I Chicago Fire I was going to make shit up.
0: <laughs> and uh Anthony Gordon has pretty much gone from Everton to Newcastle for about forty million having had a stomp and not turned up for about three or four days. Um basic gossip. Give me a bit of a yay or nay on these guys. So Pedro Porro going to Spurs, Jesse. Yeah. Think that's
3: gonna happen? You know, is it weird that I don't think it's gonna happen based solely on the fact that it's gotten so much like gossip and chitter chatter. Mm. Just because of that, I feel like he'll go to
0: Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> um, Amadou Ananag uh, going from Everton to either Chelsea or uh, Arsenal. Uh, Andy and Nathan, um, do you think that's likely to happen? And would you be happy?
2: Um, I, my my boss at work is an Everton fan, and I I asked about him because I'll be honest with you, I've not really, I've not really seen much of him. Um, and he rated him quite highly. He said he's a bit raw, but um, he, he will become a good player. Mm. Uh, so sounds perfect for what we need now, someone who, who can sort of slot in to give Jacker and Thomas Partey a bit of a break. Um, but yeah, I'll be honest, I, I don't really know that much about him. No,
0: yeah. OK. Uh, Victor Asimene, uh to Manchester United for £105 million. That doesn't seem particularly likely to me. Um, why would he leave Napoli in the middle of their um, Scudetto winning season? uh and a couple of left field ones western mckinney going to leeds for 25 million and nicolo zaniolo going to bournemouth and um, Bournemouth apparently outbidding ac milan um i'd be quite happy to see both those players in the premier league
2: then you guys so i saw something on twitter where someone said that um zaniola to bournemouth kind of shows the transfer market from outside of england as in the premier league has got all this money Mm. And the fact that a team like Bournemouth can pull a player like, that, and this is not absolutely no reflection on Bournemouth whatsoever, just the Go fact on. that they...
0: it is. Go on, you can you can say this. That's fine. We haven't got I any don't... Bournemouth fans listening. Don't think.
2: I, I, I don't think it is. I, you know, I, you know, the teams like Bournemouth and, and and you know Nottingham Forest that should be going for these players if they can afford them. You know, why you know why not? You know, if they want to stay in the Premier League, these are the type of players that they want to be they want to be looking at to improve their squads. But someone did point out rightly that it it shows what a mockery world football transfers are at the moment. The fact that Bournemouth have got the punching power to go and get a player like that from Roma and outbid all these other teams—it's it yeah. Was a, it was a bit
0: of an eye-opener for me. Yeah, I get. I mean, I guess he's got a horrendous injury record, um, and maybe that has brought down his fee a little bit. I really, really want him to succeed. I find him a very exciting player, so I do hope that um, if he does go there, I mean, we get to see him on telly every week on Match of the Day, so I'm quite happy for for that. Um, bits and bobs of news. So it looks like Sean Dyche is going to be named as the next Everton manager, not Marcelo Bielsa. Um, Bielsa had doubts over taking over mid-season and, teams, and the team being sort of fit enough for him. Uh, it would be Everton's seventh manager under Faza mashiri since he took over in 2016. Um, lots of criticism of the Everton board on this one, Andy, and the fact that uh, there's no joined-up thinking on this. You've got Sean Dyche, who's one end of the spectrum regards to management, and then you've got Marcelo Bielsa, who's the entire opposite end it sort of shows even more that Everton don't know what they're doing.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd argue that, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd love to see Bielsa take another job in the Premier League because I love Marcelo Bielsa. However, if you're looking to build a long-term vision at a club, I don't personally think either of them is the person you would go for. Deich, if he's getting brought in, is being brought in to kind of do the Sam Allardyce role which has stabilised them enough to keep them in the league
0: He
1: was at Burnley for 10 lessons. years He was at Burnley yeah. No I was, I was I mean yeah and he did a great job for Burnley but you know Sam Allardyce was also at Bolton for a number of years and then cultivated that kind of reputation as someone you bring in on a short term deal to try and keep a club uh, up mm. um, Yeah i yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a real issue. Um, I was watching uh, Carragher and Neville talk about this a couple of days ago, and Gary Neville's very of the idea that, yep, Everton just don't have a long-term vision, they've no backed uh, a manager properly and so on, and, and Carragher came back with, well, they spent 500 million, and it's like, yeah, sure, but also they've had about as you said, this will be their seventh manager, with yet another completely different vision of how to play football and and what his team should do and so on. And it's yeah, it's just it's really difficult to see. a, a long term vision for Everton? And it it feels to me like this is just going to be an ongoing cycle until they maybe have to swallow. It a relegation. I'm sure that's not what anybody wants. Everton are a a very big club, but they need to build this thing from scratch
0: Mm.
1: and they're not doing so. Could new owners decide to do that? No, I would imagine they won't. New owners will be buying that club expecting to be receiving Premier League money. And so is it just going to be, like I said, an, an endless cycle of managers doing enough to keep them in the league so that the owners get their investment back? Uh, yeah, I, it's difficult to see a way out of this for Everton, I mean, in uh, the certainly short to medium term.
0: Yeah, and Jesse, I guess if you're a prospective new owner of Everton Football Club... I you, am, yes. you, <laughs> yes, <I'm horrible. laughs> okay, as Okay, as, <laughs> as a prospective new owner of Everton Football Club, are you put off by the fact that they are at present such a basket case of a club? And not only that, but You would also then have to take on the building of a brand new football stadium which is under construction. Have you considered that in your bid to buy Everton? Uh,
3: Personally, I have. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, I think I mean, I as a prospective owner would hopefully be most worried about the effect that this has all had on the players. Because as Andy said, you know, seven managers, you're also dealing with seven managerial styles and demands. Mm. And that is a lot to ask players to have to sort of go like you know input and go through um and sometimes I feel like it's you know if your manager has done nothing egregiously wrong it's almost worth letting them wait it out and and see if your players can just adjust to give them that time yeah. um Especially in a year when there there there's just so much going on. I mean, we've talked about it. Like, there's so much. The schedule is nonstop, and so I, I wonder what this has all done. You know, what the emotional impact on that is doing on them. It's like physically um, accomplishing on them because that cannot be easy.
0: No, no, I guess not. There was someone from Football week here on Football Weekly around this week as well. who was an Everton fan. She was kind of of the opinion of what Andy just said. Maybe a relegation, and we can get rid of some of the sort of fodder and regroup and come back up possibly from there so yeah,
1: yeah.
3: It like a like a what is it like lemon sorbet like a palate cleanser yeah <laughs> like take a break i think and, it, and i think
1: it, it would also time. just be good to do away with this notion that i think everton as a club and even just the media when they talk about everton and so on it's another one of these kind of newcastle cases where it's like mm. they could do with getting rid of the notion that they're too big a club to go down Sometimes that feels like what you actually need is an acceptance that anybody can get relegated in this league, and it's how you prepare for the future after something like that has happened. We've seen clubs where it's been they've went and spent a lot of money because they just assume they'll come straight back up, and in actual fact, they've ended up like relegated again the following season. It's um yeah, it feels like Everton need a completely clean slate across the board. That's
3: yeah. A good point, and also that shows that you can't just throw money at a club and expect that to be the difference maker. That you have to, you know, put a manager that you know. There's there are systems that you have to put in place rather than just bajillions.
0: Well, Brighton and Brentford are a good example of that, I guess, aren't they?
3: I think, um, I'm and I'm not just saying this
2: as an Arsenal fan. I think, look at the Arsenal model. Look at what they did. They've gone, right, we need to get an identity because we don't have one at the moment. We're we're a bit lost. pre uh, Post-Wenger, we're a bit lost. Right, this is how we want to play. Right. Edu, are you on board with that? Yes. Right. Congratulations, welcome to the boardroom. Right. Who's the best manager out there? Pep Guardiola. Does he suit our system? Yeah. Who's his number two? Arteta. Club links. Gets that positivity back with the fans. Right. We've now got two people who are going to work together on exactly the same plan. Vicar is going to put it onto the training pitch, and he's going to put the identity into the players. is going to go and sign the players that Arteta needs to make this work. I spent a lot of money on players that everyone looked at and went, I don't really see what we're trying to do here, when actually we were building a really solid foundation. And then the last transfer window was Jesus and Zinchenko, winners absolute winners who the manager already knew comfortably from his time at Man City I think with Everton like Andy said it needs to be a complete system reset and whether it's new owners or whether it's machinery you know go, so say like I'm, I'm a potential buyer, I'm going to go into that club, I'm going to buy it, the first positive that I'm seeing is I've got a new stadium on the way, right brilliant but now how do I feel that? Like, right well I need I need to play this type of football. Right, okay, I'm going to go and scour a directory of football. Who knows that type of football? Next, I'm going to find a manager who's going to be willing to work in this with the same vision. So then from top to bottom, you've got the vision, but I also need to ask two questions to the manager. A, will you play this style of football? Can you prove to me that you can do it? And B, you have not got the players to play this style of football yet. So can you use these players to keep us in this division? whilst we work on getting the players in and alternatively getting the players out so that the system then works all the way from the boardroom all the way to the pitch
0: hmm okay um, right what else have we got so in bits and bobs of news so apparently Arsenal have had a 60 million bid for Moises Casiedo rejected um, so maybe they've got to go back with a few more quid there Uh. Sean Maloney is set to be the next Wigan manager. Now Carlo Torre was sacked after just nine games and zero wins. Uh, a record that Frank DeBoor can only be envious of. Um Wigan have got nine points in the last eighteen games and four points up from safety. Um Sean Maloney in Scotland Andy apparently only lasted four months in his last job, so he's um could be out of the fire in the in the frying pound for
1: Wigan. I, th- I thought it was I thought he was maybe a little unfairly let go at Hibs. Okay. Um, it, 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 I think if you look at him since then they, they haven't exactly improved drastically over Maloney it's another case where maybe Maloney just needed a bit more time to get his philosophy across and so on so yeah, there's potential there I I have I feel like I say this a lot and it feels like a, a debate that comes up constantly particularly in British football and I think it deserves to be if Colo Toure was white, would he have been given longer?
3: Mm.
1: Um, I think that's a question that's, that does need to be asked, given the dearth of, of black coaches in the, the British game. Um, so yeah, there, there's questions to be asked there, I think. But yeah, I mean, in terms of Maloney, he, he likes his teams to play good football, which of course is, is, will get the fans on his side at the start, at least. But Wigan, to me, still seemed like a club in a bit of a mess and yeah, I'm I'm not
0: sure how much Maloney will move the needle for them. Okay. Uh Jesse, if you wanted to go and watch the Copper America next year, you won't need <laughs> yourself a passport, will you?
3: I will not, no. Uh,
0: Unless
3: by death they close our state borders, I'm not sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the Copper America um next year, twenty twenty four, is gonna take place in the United States. So there are gonna be sixteen teams, the ten regular South American teams. Plus six from CONCACAF who qualify via the 23-24 CONCACAF Nations League. So, therefore, the United States as hosts are not guaranteed a place. Um, Jesse in South America, how has this news gone down that their sort of biggest tournament won't be taking place within its continent?
3: I'm already... Oh God, I'm, I am suck today. There are 16 men's teams, 12 or 14 women's teams. So, nicely, they're doing that. Um I think they did they just make this announcement like yesterday
0: possibly this week I know or because I've written it down for this week
3: yeah um so there as you said there have been there's been so much else happening in South American football this week that I have not so far seen any significant grumblings um about about that
0: okay because it was only a couple of years ago that one was there It was the 2016 wasn't it that it was held in the united states yeah
3: yeah i think the final was in was at uh, the Netherlands in jersey
0: yes okay uh right the guardian top 100 uh, men's and women's football players has been announced so guys shall i read out the top 20s for each and you tell me what you think
2: yeah sure
0: Okay, so twenty down to one. So twenty, Amelia Martinez. Nineteen, Pedri. Ten, uh, sorry, eighteen, Federica Valverde. Seventeen, anton Griezmann. Sixteen, Ashraf rakimi Fifteen, casimiro Fourteen, Jude Bellingham. Thirteen, Harry Kane. Twelve, Neymar. Eleven, Sadio Mane. Into the top ten now. Um, Mohamed Salah at ten. Tiemoue Courtois at nine. Eight, vinnie Junior. Seven, Robert Lewandowski. Six, Kevin De Bruyne. Five, Luka Modric. Four, Erling Haaland. 3, Karim Benzema, 2, Kylian Mbappe, uh, and number 1, Jordan Henderson. Oh, no, sorry, uh, Lino Messi. Um, guys, you we all sort of said pre record that this is a very heavily World Cup-influenced list. Um, we also noted this sort of Italian players further down. Of course, Italy didn't qualify. Is there anybody there that you think, oh, my God, what on earth are they doing there? Or why on earth are they this position? They should be X higher or X lower. Or have they got it about right? I mean, I couldn't
1: possibly suggest for a minute that I'm doing this as revenge for your Scottish accent earlier on, but I do feel, given his form this season, Mo Salah feels high at number 10 for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, although I would say that the, the issue with that is I look at those kind of directly around him and below him and I don't know who would replace him. Um have issues with Karim Benzema being anywhere on such a list, given his own misdemeanours, despite the fact that he's been excellent on the football pitch. Messi, it's funny, Tifo did a video, um, I think it might have been about three months ago now, so before the World Cup and just into the French season, where they asked if Messi was again the world's best player, um, because he'd made a a really excellent start for, for PSG looks like they've been justified in doing so I wouldn't argue with him being number one at the moment Um, yeah it's it's very World Cup heavy like I said that I I don't know if Emiliano Martinez is the second best goalkeeper in the world Um, I do like the fact that there's some in some ways this does almost seem to be pointing to the future Valverde and Pedri both in the, the top twenty, I think is. It's got Jude Bellingham as well in the top twenty. There's, yeah. So there's 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 places I would maybe move some players, but by and large, I think they've probably got at least the top twenty in some kind of decent
0: order. Okay, uh, Nathan and um, Jesse, what do you guys think?
2: Yeah, I think I think is pretty much spot on That I think the top 20, the only, the only bones I'll, I'll pick out of it is Harry Kane didn't have one of his greatest seasons or greatest World Cup. But maybe, maybe still top 20, but maybe not quite as high as 13. And I'm not sure how much Griezmann's done other than have a really good World Cup with France. Mm-hmm. as well club football wise but again he's not allowed to
0: play 90 minutes
2: is he <laughs> well, well that, that would be the number one drawback wouldn't it you know yeah. um, <laughs> that would be a starting point as to why he probably shouldn't be top 20 but both did have a very well a very good world cup to be fair uh, uh so and again we did say it's very it's very world cup orientated um also think Highland might be a bit unfortunate not to crack the top three mm. again i think that might be on the back of world cup performances on top of club form as well maybe he's, he's a bit unfortunate to miss out in the top three
0: I guess there's not a lot more he could do is there
2: not really to be fair I mean you know we all said that he was scoring goals in a farmers league and then he's absolutely torn the, <laughs> the head, so kind of made a few people eat the words a little bit but yeah I think like Andy said top 20 they're probably all in the in probably all deserve to be there maybe not necessarily in that order
0: okay uh, should we do the ladies as well Yeah, yes, Chris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, number 20, Alex Morgan. Number 19, Alex Morgan. Number 18, Alex. <laughs> um, 20 is Christiane Endler. 19 is uh, Fridolina Rolfo. 18 is Alex Morgan. 17 is Mappy Leon. Uh, 16 is Catriona uh, Massario. Uh, 15 is Leah Williamson. 14 is Per Neil Harder. Glad I got that one right. Uh, 13 is Ada Haderberg, 12 is Wendy Renard. Uh, 11 is Marie Antoinette Catoto. 10, Lucy Bronze. 9, Kira Walsh. Eight, Caroline Grain Hansen. Seven, Alexandra Popp. Um, six is Vivian uh, Maidama. Uh, five is Lena Oberdorf. Four is Aitana Bonmarti. Three, Sam Kerr. Two, Bethany And number one, Alexia Puchelis. Now, Jesse, you were saying pre-record. This is a bit weird because Alexia Puchelis was injured for quite a lot of them um, last year.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's a... I agree with most of those, if not all. Um, I just... I'm terrible at ranking systems, so you read that and I was like, I don't know who's 17 or seven <laughs> numbers, but yes, those are amazing players. Um, but Alexia Botejas was injured. She she did her ACL and I think, this summer, so in terms of like, who was the best player of the year, I just feel like that's an odd pick because she didn't play for most of the year, so theoretically, she probably is, but I don't know um I don't know how they, how they did that. You know how they, if they just assumed she would have kept playing at the, at the level that she started off. Um, yeah, that just seemed a, a strange pick for number one.
0: And given this a World Cup year, expecting this list to look a lot differently this time next year.
3: I yeah, I mean you you would have to think, and and hopefully you know there are fewer. There have been so many injuries, especially ACLs, done in the women's game this year that hopefully going forward they do something to you know make sure that that doesn't happen as much because it's been a bit of a nightmare
0: okay um also uh this week jollinson has been banned from driving for 12 months and fined uh 31,085 pounds for drink driving um he gave a reading of 43 uh, milligrams. The uh, limit is 35 here. He claimed he had just two glasses of wine, um, but he's been caught and banned. It could be reduced to nine months if he grew to undertake a a, a, sort of, a, a course. Um, Newcastle fans uh, this week became huge experts in drink driving laws. Who would have thought that?
2: It does seem like my first thought when you, when you read that out was would. Would uh, average Joe get such a, like, well, a, you know, a thirty-one you know, thousand pound
0: fine for yeah. <laughs> someone like me and you?
2: Yeah,
0: I think it, it is means-tested.
2: Yeah, I think I think there's no, don't get me wrong, there's no excuse for drink driving, you know, at all. You know, if you're having a drink, don't drive. It's that easy. But I don't know. I just felt I, I, I'm no expert on the law at all whatsoever. I just wonder is that is that normal? Is is that is that a normal sort of punishment that he's got?
0: I think it's means tested. Um, I certainly don't think they normally hand out fines of sort of thirty grand.
3: Did Hugo I remember when Hugo Lloris also got um, pulled over for drunk driving, and I'm trying to remember what in what range his fine was. (laughs) I can't remember. I also love the excuse of, I only had two glasses. Like, either lie and say you didn't have it. Like, <laughs> yes, that's the point. You're not supposed to have that many.
0: No, exactly. Uh, what else have we got? Oh, iFab are going to change the rules this year. So, uh, they're going to ban goalkeepers from larking around like Emilia Martinez did in the World Cup final. Yeah. Um, guys, how do we feel about this?
2: I mean, at what point are they just going
0: to take the goalkeeper away? No, it's my first thought as well. <laughs>
3: I wanted them to do the exact opposite. It has been driving me absolutely batshit insane that players pull a Neymar and do the like stutter step, stutter step, dance the tango, stand on their head, and then kick. Yeah. I don't give a shit about the goalkeeper. The rule is, you cannot stop and start, so stop them stopping and starting. Yeah. Do something about that.
2: You've got to give the keeper some sort of chance, haven't you? He's got to be allowed to do something to to, uh, have a chance at, at get into a penalty because let's be fair the player taking the penalty is the favorite every single time mm. you know what i mean you know no no disrespect to goalkeepers but if you're 12 yards out we no one in front of you you have got to score and that and that's where the pressure element of penalties comes into it for me but you know what you know they're you know they've got to stay on the line now they're not allowed to dance around it's like right well give them a half a chance
3: yeah yeah and you've got players thinking that now they all have to have some sort of like Signature penalty move. They're going to start, you know, singing the national anthem of Sweden before they take a run. Like, just let it be.
0: I don't think "Let It Be" is the national anthem of Sweden.
3: That you know what it is now, (laughs) (laughs) but in Sweden. Uh,
2: (laughs) Just, just with that rule as well. What are we? What are we consistent as as antics? So, for example, if a goalkeeper winks as the player walking up, as the player within his rights, then go to referee and say, "Just wink at me." That classes as takes he needs booking or, you know, send to the stand or whatever stupid rule we're going to come up with next. God, footballers are rotten snitches, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: Al Nasser lost to rivals Al Itihad in the uh, 3-1 in the semi-finals at the Saudi Cup. Um, obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo now plays for Al Nasser. Uh, rival fans chanted Messi, Messi at him as he walked off the pitch at the end. Um, and Al Itihad's Moroccan striker uh, Abdurazak um, Hamdallah he scored uh, one of the three goals Reality had and he recreated the Messi shirt-holding celebration that he did in the Bernabeu Stadium when he scored in the Classico. So Ronaldo not having the best of times. Now, there's footage of someone who it was claimed is one of the owners of Al Nasser. Now, I don't know how good this is because my I don't know how surprised you guys would be, but my Arabic isn't all that good. I can do lots of other languages, but Arabic isn't one of them.
3: You could do so many other languages.
0: <laughs> um... He was filmed chuntering through the uh, bowels of the stadium to the press and then sort of pretending to do a sort of Ronaldo Sioux celebration. I think the translation was, uh, we spend all this money to get in here and all he can do is a Sioux celebration. So uh, the hierarchy there aren't happy with him. Um, okay, so what have we got else this weekend? So again, there's no sort of Premier League this weekend for us to preview, but... There is the cup this weekend, FA Cup, so uh, we're recording this on Friday night. We've got two Arsenal fans on, which is lovely, because Arsenal are currently drawing 0-0 at Manchester City, and so that's dedication to the podcast course. I'll read the fixtures out. You guys of uh, tell me any of these you're particularly looking forward to. So, Accrington Stanley at home to Leeds, Walsall versus Leicester, Blackburn um, Birmingham, Bristol City, West Brom, Fulham, Sunderland, Ipswich, Burnley, luton grimsby sheffield wednesday fleetwood southampton blackpool preston tottenham jesse uh, manchester united versus reading um, brighton versus stoke i really don't want to see that one for a third time this season um oh, sorry, brighton versus, brighton versus liverpool sorry uh stoke versus stevenage Wrexham versus sheffield united and finally on monday night is uh derby versus west ham now i'm looking at the first couple i read out there which is Accrington, leeds and walsall leicester i think there could be a couple of upsets there uh andy what do you reckon
1: uh, I think Leeds will be okay. Leicester are in, in real dire straits at the moment. It just feels like every time they look like they might turn the corner, something else happens. Um, the the potential shock I'm looking at is Stevenage going to Stoke, given what they did to Villa. Mm. Uh, in the previous round, um, they went there full of confidence, didn't treat Villa like a Premier League team. Stoke aren't exactly in the best of form, I don't think, at the moment, judging by the Stoke City fans I follow on Twitter. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that to me feels like the, the real kind of potential banana skin draw in, in this round. But, yeah, like I said, Walsall uh, hosting Leicester has the potential Leeds, I imagine, given how uh, confidently they dispatched Cardiff and that game I think they'll probably be okay against Accrington.
0: Okay, uh Jesse, Tottenham are away to Preston, which um isn't actually the, just the name of a Wallace and Gromit baddie, it's also a place, isn't it Nathan? Uh it,
2: it is, yeah. It's it's my whole time.
0: <gasps> Since he's a little man of the post derby, Jesse. are you gonna sort of blow a raspberry at him while sort of sticking your thumbs to your ears and waving your fingers?
3: You know, blowing raspberries we call here the Bronx cheer. Do you? New York, yep.
0: Oh, that's very nice. Um how Tottenham going to get on against uh, Nathan's Preston?
3: Probably terribly. You know, Loris will decide that he wants to be a forward and come out and do some weird thing. Jair um, will probably get a red card for doing something comprehensible. Sun will get injured. And, um, I don't know, Hurricane will leave uh, midweek to sign with Man City.
0: Um, that's, that's, could it all entirely happen? Nathan, I can't remember what you said last time when you came on here about your affections for Preston. Uh, do they mean anything to you at all? And I guess as they're playing Spurs this weekend, they might well mean a little bit more. But what do they mean to you?
2: Yeah, I mean, the Spurs The Spurs twist aside, um, my wife's family are all die diehard Preston fans. Uh, her sister's gone to the home her season ticket holders, have been for a long time, go to the away games, So always keep an eye on their games. Um, in terms of this game, Preston aren't in a very good place at all, uh, and I think they might might be on the, the back end of a hiding if
3: Tottenham decide that they want to turn up. Hmm. I love that, that, decide they want to. Yeah, we haven't done that lately.
2: <laughs> right, that, that's exactly, that was exactly my reasoning for the comment. If, if Tottenham wants to turn up, then they'll they'll walk it, no problem.
0: Fair enough. Okay, uh, well, that brings to the end of our little... FA Cup preview, any um, other business from anybody?
2: I'd say keep an eye on Wrexham versus Sheffield United.
0: Yes, I think you might well be right on that one. Um, Wrexham
2: Wrexham flying, Sheffield United doing well, I think it could be a really good game to watch.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Jesse and Andy, any other business?
1: I did, I saw the stupidest transfer rumour ever uh, a couple of days ago. With the suggestion that um, Alfredo Morelos's agent, who I understand kind of is the agent for a few players at this club, had apparently been offering Morelos to Inter Milan. Really? <laughs> which I thought was, which I thought was hilarious. It just, you know, it'd be like um, me turning around and saying, "Well, you know, I've offered my services to Arsenal. I'm sure I could do a job for them." Um, <laughs> Offering your services to somebody and them having absolutely any interest in doing so is two very <laughs> different things. So uh I that that tickled me somewhat. Also just in the Rangers transfer things, obviously you you have seen we've signed um Todd Cantwell from Norwich. Oh really? Uh yes, that seems potentially a really good sign and Cantwell's got all the talent in the world. He's just really lost his way the last kind of eighteen months in particular so that is, is potentially a, a very good sign is that a loan or a permanent no it's a permanent uh, he was oh, out okay. of contract he's out of contract at the end of the season and so Rangers have signed him for what at the moment is an undisclosed fee
0: because uh, it was the time before last when Norwich got promoted um, people were talking about Ben Godfrey who of course went to Everton and they were talking yeah. about Todd Campwell and Max Arons. Um and neither of them two have really sort of kicked on have they
1: no, Cantwell's been struggling to get game time for at least the last year. Um hence probably why he's he's coming to Rangers and not the Premier League. But um yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how he performs. We've got a couple of other irons in the fire in terms of transfers. Morgan Whitaker potentially coming in from Swansea. Um also talk of a defender. Uh, which is badly needed because Rangers' injury problems at defence have been awful for at least two, three years at this point. So, yeah, exciting times. Rangers unbeaten since Michael Beale came in. Um, well, we're not going to win the league this season, but it kind of feels like it's moving in the right direction again.
0: OK. Um, Todd Campbell, when he goes for a walk down sort of Govan High Street, how's those three locks of hair of his going to get on?
1: That uh, they're not going to go well. I've already, <laughs> few, um, saying, I've already seen a few. i just say I've already seen a few tweets comparing Todd Cantwell to various blonde women. Uh, <laughs> so that, that none of us should surprise anybody who's ever spent any time in Glasgow. Are
0: you going to take him uh, to Camber's Lang for a haircut?
1: No, I'm. I'm telling them we keep the
0: locks. <laughs> Fuck what they all say. That he'll be fine. Yeah fair enough uh right okay that brings us to the end of our uh podcast this week so uh we are man on the post part of the man on the post network you can find us uh on instagram and twitter at man on the post you can give us a like on facebook as well um you can subscribe on spotify and uh on itunes and all your or, or your other podcast host as well your podcast app of choice and all your future episodes will fall automatically into your inbox if you like we you hear you can uh rate and review it that'd be lovely um imagine that uh dave simon ali and carl will be back on monday to review the games that we've uh, briefly previewed here um and if they want to follow you on twitter how do they do that
1: uh you can find me at Site tyson
0: okay nathan how do they follow you i am at fmcm underscore fc okay jesse if they want to follow you
3: I am at C. -C -um Etchingham 77. It's hard for me because I forget my name sometimes, but that's me.
0: Uh, And you can follow me uh, at Jesse Loesch. Uh, So, guys, thank you ever so much. And always remember to keep your man on the post.